This is Back from the Brink, and I'm Todd Brinker. Aaron will be joining us momentarily. It is a kind of crisp fall day here in Southern California. Um, enjoy waking up and feeling the cool air on my cheeks as I head into the studio. Um, but uh, I know that it is Southern California. There will be yet another, excuse me, wave of heat before it's all done uh, because it's only September. Um, and yet it's holy moly in September. Here's Erin, boy. I wasn't kidding. Shortly she joined us. Good morning. Hey. I so, literally just logged in and said, Erin will be joining us shortly. And I went, I wasn't kidding. Shortly she joined us. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like yesterday. We weren't talking about the news and the weather. Yeah. Not the weather. The news and the, I don't know. I was talking about the weather again because I'm still I'm still reveling in the coolness. I love it when it's that, that 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 crisp, cool morning where, you know, I don't like it when it's so cold that you shiver a little bit when you go out. But let's face it, we live in California, so you don't really get that very much. <laughs> no, but I do like a little crisp. I do like. You know, I do too. You know, I like it to be actually anything over forty degrees. I'm cool. I'm fine. Yeah. So yeah. if it gets below forty, yeah, I'm gonna grab a sweater. I'm going to, you know, yeah. I'm not even going to complain, though, because I still like that. Well, I was going to say, even then, a sweater's not the end of the world, right? I mean, I don't mind no. wearing a sweater or a sweatshirt or something. You know what? I with The, the only time it, during the winter when I really don't like it, it and I, I love having the rain, but when I have to coach out in the rain, that yeah. can sometimes be pretty uncomfortable, you know? And so, um, now, I have a, like, complete Gore-Tex suit, like like one that was designed for hunting, in fact, it's it, one of them is even like all camo, so I'm head to toe camo, but I'm in Gore-Tex. And if you're not familiar with Gore-Tex, it's a material that's made by pressing it together. It's not uh, woven, but it is waterproof, but it's breathable. So you're not like in a rubber suit where you're sweating. And so oh. that makes it moderately comfortable. Oh. And I say moderately. So that's so you you could clean a deer without getting it all over you. Yeah. Well, and if you're out in the woods hunting and it's drizzling or something, you're, um, you're, you know, you're comfortable and dry. Um, it is, it, it, it almost has a, a feeling of like paper, like Tyvek, like a Tyvek sleeve or something. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Tyvek sleeves. Um, it, us old computer guys, that's what you used to stick your floppy disks in. Like the paper sleeves were cheap. The Tyvek oh, sleeves were the good ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do remember um, that. And so Gore-Tex is similar to Tyvek in that, you know, it has that almost like a paper feel to it. And so it, it tends to be kind of catchy and snaggy. And so, like, I can imagine if I was wearing that out in the woods hunting that, you know, it would probably have all kinds of little rips and tears in it because it caught on branches and stuff if you're walking through the woods. Of course, if you're one of those hunters who, like, you know, goes somewhere and then climbs up into a stand and sits, then that's probably just, just the the right thing and, and you get it extra big and poofy so that underneath it you've got your jacket on or your your uh you know sweats or whatever you need to to stay warm because it's not huh. there's no real insulation there but well, on a pool deck they're pretty darn handy when it's raining in southern california in the winter so it's supposed to be 110 on saturday i won't need my gore-tex suit <laughs> <laughs> something tells me me thinks i won't need it <laughs> So uh, as I we were going, I hate summer. Yeah, 
You and I, I, I tell you, you know, I mean, um, uh, our, our spouses both have an affinity for that because it's their sort of downtime because they're teachers and they, you know, work like crazy people during the school year. Uh, but and, and so they, they appreciate their summers where they can kind of just veg a bit. Um, uh, but, um, you know, I think you and I share that affinity for autumn. It's just like yes. I, so, summer is just the long hot that I suffer through to get to autumn so that I can enjoy it. And yes. part of part of the fun right. of living in Southern California is there is no real winter. It's just kind of this extended autumn that starts when summer ends and lasts until like mid spring. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I hope we have a good snow this year so that our mountain resorts can uh, mm-hmm. get a lot of people skiing. Um, they need know, a with break. Everything shutting down in March. Uh, they didn't take it. They weren't able to take advantage of the late winter snow and right. the early spring snow that we got. And so yeah, I and they had it. I we felt so it. bad for them. They actually had it. You know, we had that snowpack that came in late. And, you know, I can imagine, you know, if you're like a, a, a you know, I don't want to say chalet owner, but, you know, if you own a, a hotel or a bed and breakfast or something up in the mountains here in Southern California, it must have been horrifying to see this beautiful yes. weather and then nobody can come and stay. Yes. Ugh. Yes. So I, I hope that we get a, a good solid winter. Um, so that they can get and that we're open so they can get some business mm-hmm. absolutely I agree the um, uh, as we were sort of wrapping up the radio show you know we had a guest on but I had kind of started looking at um, some uh, I made a, I, th- I made a comment because it was based on something I had read re- recently about one of the um, I think it was a senator a Republican senator complaining about NPR because they were complaining about um, uh, Trump going to Kenosha and they were saying defund NPR. Well, I went to the NPR website just to see what NPR had actually said. And I went off on a tangent because they have a whole bunch of stuff on like coronavirus information. Uh, and and I kind of went into almost a rant sending you a whole bunch of stuff suddenly at like one <laughs> giant sweep. So I apologize for barraging yeah, you with no, tons let's of let's stuff. Talk about it now. But it was, you know, I, I was a little frustrated with some of it because, you know, I, I, I like California. I mean, granted, I think that you know we're we're um, probably overtaxed and we're not very business friendly, but there's a reason people like being here. Our climate is great. Our weather is for the most part good, other than the whole summer thing. Um, but you know, I get it. Some people really like the summer thing, and that's why they're here. Uh, I'm just not one of them. <laughs> I don't like the beach. It's like a giant pile of grit. Why on earth would I want to go over there and play in grit? Um, but you know. Uh, that said, I like California, and I'm getting kind of tired of the national press just telling everybody how horrible and terrible we are because of our, our inability to handle COVID. I just want to point out that we have twice the population of New York, that our COVID cases are roughly twice that of New York, but our number of deaths are one-third of that of New York. Yes. And so, uh, and yet they always point out the number of cases. They never point out the fact that, that the the worst possible outcome, which is death is significantly lower so is texas so is florida yes. you know all of those states have uh populations greater than new york and all of those states have death rates from covid half or less than half of uh, well in fact a third or less than a third of new york yes. um uh, california yes. isn't quite a third less they're 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 just a smidge over a third but they're not a half um, you know, and so, you know, why is that? Why are we handling things so bad? I don't understand. We're doing now, our, our it, you know, 
the numbers don't don't represent that and yet they always just push out the one big number of total cases because you know that makes it look bad it's like well yeah of course there's total cases we have twice the number of people of uh, uh, as as um uh new york has and guess yes. what our cases are about twice the number our our rate per population is almost exactly the same in terms of rate of infection but the death rate in New York was so much worse. Their total they have death over thirty thousand deaths in New York. Yeah, almost thirty-three thousand, thirty-two thousand nine hundred, and we've had thirteen thousand. And and Andrew Cuomo is held Ugh. up as America's governor because he's handled the COVID virus so well. Now I don't expect him to have known how hard he was going to be walloped. I don't expect right. any president or any governor to control a virus. But but if you're going to put Texas and Florida and California down, then you need to look at New York. Right. You need to look at New Jersey. You need to look right. at Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and the thing is, is I'm, you know, I'm not blaming the politicians here because I don't give them credit for solving COVID. I'm not giving exactly. them blame for COVID. What I'm blaming is the news agencies and how they're reporting this and how they're putting some people on pedestals and trying to put other places down. And and if you look at the actual numbers and what they mean, you know what this just tells me is a bunch of news people don't actually understand numbers. They really don't yes. understand how to look at information and think about what that really means. They just look or at big numbers, you know, big number, big number, bad, low number, good. Yes. Or worse, they have a narrative. Right. And they don't yeah. care what the numbers actually say. They're going to give their spin on the numbers. Right. Right. Although, you know, the only thing that causes me a little bit of pause there is if that was the case, then the 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 liberal bias that is talked about in the media would then also say they would be finding positive things to say about California. And they're not. But I don't know that they're saying that many bad things about California. That's I mean, true. Not they're compared to Texas and Florida. Texas and Florida. They're trashing. Right. Yes. Yeah, and Texas and Florida, again, if you look at the percentage of positive cases compared to their population, um, are right in alignment with every other state. You know, New York, uh, California, Texas, Florida, um, they're literally, if you look at the list of, of states by case, is the exact same order as the number of states by population for the most yep. part. Um, I mean, there's a few little, you know, variations here or there. Georgia's a little bit higher uh, in the list than, than they would be otherwise. Uh, but the first four, California, Texas, Florida, and New York, are exactly in order. You know? I mean, you want to give yes. somebody an attaboy. Pennsylvania, on total cases, is sitting at about 10 or 11, and they're number five in terms of actual population. Wow. So Pennsylvania's ahead possible? of the curve. What have they done? Yeah, and and fifth is Georgia in terms of of active cases or te positive te testing, and and Georgia is eighth, so they're a little bit worse off. Yeah, I don't know what Pennsylvania is doing. Um, yeah, I I don't know, but um, yeah, Pennsylvania. Um, let's see. Oh, and they've got I a Democratic governor too. I, I'm surprised that they aren't like touting Pennsylvania as the the place that did everything right, because quite frankly, that's sort of what the numbers show more so than the uh, than New York. I, I'm interested to know, and we don't know this yet, but the genetic differences in people in fighting this disease. Mm -hmm. So are people with certain genetic markers more able to fight coronavirus than others? Are is it, you know, I know that there there are different strains of coronavirus. What right. hit where 
and what were differences in the populations that were that were uh, affected, you know? Right. What was and, going about those? Yeah, and, and are certain strains more deadly than others? And I know they're, they've done some studies. They're starting to do studies on that, and you're starting to see some information uh, come out. Like I saw one study about um, blood type, and they, they indicated that people with type O blood, which is most of the population, was more likely to, um, to get COVID than, than uh, what, what was it? I think it, it was, was A blood. A, a that's more right. Likely to get COVID. So then O, O is better at fighting. Okay, COVID. thank you. I, I was getting it exactly backwards, which is so helpful to everybody. The only reason why <laughs> I remember that is that I have type A blood. <laughs> Aha! And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So Elaine has type A blood. Yes. So Tobin is type O. Are you type O? I'm type B. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She's A, I'm B, and we've got a daughter who's AB, and another one who's oh. O. Interesting. It's so yeah. interesting. It is. And AB, obviously, is the rarest, so, um, you know, it's, it's, of course, she's the one who's terrified of needles, so she's never going to donate blood to anybody ever, because that means they would have to stick her with a needle, and that ain't going to happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe after she has a baby or two, that might change, because you get... You know, the fear factor goes down dramatically. Yeah. Having faced birth, everything else seems like <laughs> relatively minor issue. Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> having been there to see it, not actually experience it myself, but to see it, I'm like, yeah, okay. You're tougher than me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. There's that old so, joke. If men had to give birth, there would be no human race because we would go, nope, not happening. Can't not do that. happening. <laughs> the beautiful thing about birth is, yes, it's painful. Yes, it's scary during the birthing process. But then you get a baby. Mm-hmm. You have a baby when you're done. Yeah. So it doesn't get better than that. It really doesn't. Of course, then you have to raise babies. a baby. <laughs> what was that? I said, then you have to raise a baby. Then the real work begins. I know. Yeah. But us guys can participate in that part. Yes, you can. <laughs> and you better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I said can participate. That's probably the wrong word. Yes. <laughs> we will participate. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, yeah. switching gears, you've heard, have you heard about all of the disappearances from Fort Hood? And a couple of bodies have turned up. We've, uh, yeah. yeah. We've, I know you've heard about it because we've talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, and, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, yeah. I was just, yeah, I've heard about it. Oh, and it's okay. horrifying. So the commander who has overseen Fort Hood during the, the these numerous troubling incidents he's being removed from his post so major general scott effland will no longer be taking command of the first armored division which uh, nbc describes as a potentially career-ending move yeah i don't know how you how you how it's not career-ending the army says effland will remain at the texas base now for now as deputy commanding general um and that General John Murray, one of the most senior commanders, will lead an in-depth investigation into the chain of command actions related to Specialist Vanessa Vanessa Gullen, or uh, yeah, Gullen, uh, whose body was found months after she disappeared from the base. The Army said Murray would would roll several investigations already underway into a probe that will delve into activities and and leadership because they've had multiple over the last couple of years, multiple. Um, uh, soldiers disappear from Fort Hood. Yeah, that's horrifying to think. Can you imagine if you're the the parent of one of these kids? Because most of these uh, people who have 
disappeared and that have turned up dead are, you know, relatively young adults whose, you know, parents send them off to join the military to, 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 you know, and you're proud of your child to, you know, go be there for your country. And then they disappear while they're here on our land, you know, in the United States. And it appears that it's something going on with other soldiers. This is clearly something to do with the, the, um, you know, I mean, whether or not the general had anything or any knowledge, you know, anything to do with or had any knowledge of what might be going on there is irrelevant. It happened under his watch. But it, bothered, it bothers me a little bit that a former person under his, under his uh, command is now the person running the investigation. It seems like somebody from outside should be coming in and running this investigation because, you know, we have no idea how far this goes or whether, you know, there's other people, you know, what level of people are involved or, or aware of what was happening. Yeah, and was there a cover-up, and who who participated? Mm-hmm. Right, you know? and so it seems to me that should be um, not only uh, an outside person, but maybe even an outside agency. You know, like um, uh, you know Fort Hood's Army. I mean, maybe they should bring in investigators from the Navy or from from the Air Force, or or perhaps they bring in the FBI and just say, you now have the authority to to do this investigation. That it should not be an internal investigation. So, yeah, you know. I, I, it makes me wonder what else is going on. I mean, if there's a serial, serial killer in the area, um, the FBI should definitely be, you know, be involved. Now, they say that they yeah. caught the one who, who got Vanessa, but, you know, maybe they didn't. Maybe they, they thought he was the guy and he wasn't. Maybe right. uh, maybe there were more of them. I don't We don't know. And, well, and, this, and there could be, like, he could be for that one, but then there could be somebody else doing other things, right? Exactly. Yes. You know, I would be really interested to see in the communities around Fort Hood if there have been disappearances. I wonder if there's some, you know, they, I'm sure that part of the investigation will be talking to uh, civilian uh, law enforcement in the area and, and finding yes. out what else is going on there because the bodies have been found off base. And so, um, you know, that falls under civilian um, authority anyway. I mean, this is the whole thing is just terrifying. It really is, it is when terrifying. you think about it. These are the people that we trust to be doing the right thing, and and um, and you know, I mean, I mean, it's quite honestly, it's it's very similar to uh, some of the failures of some of our police officers in terms of them doing their jobs in regards to um, minority um, uh, people in the United States too. You know, it's the same kind of thing where it's people who are in a position of trust have somehow misused or abused that trust by behavior that that questions whether or not we should be trusting them. Um, And I I don't say it's systemic within the military because I really don't think it is. I think most of the people in the military are well-intended people working hard for their country. But there's something going on there. Well, and maybe they should have closed the base down. Maybe they should have when the first one happened. Maybe they, I mean, I don't know. Although that might have been a little little overkill, but... um, yeah, they they need to get to the bottom of what's going on. Yeah. I'm not surprised that they that they something uh, rotten in Denmark. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. and absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, what, again, it happened under his watch. So you know that it 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 may be just unfortunate luck of the draw that it happened under his watch, but it happened under his watch. So yeah, they're they're not going to they're going to you know nominally take whoever's on top and say okay, you need to be set aside for a moment while we investigate this. Now, we may find out that it had absolutely nothing to do with him and there's no way he could have known, in which case then, you know, you don't hold him accountable for something he couldn't have controlled. But um, but you, you, you take that step. I mean, I understand that. 
so yeah hope they come to the they i hope they figure it out quickly yeah yeah before somebody else loses their life exactly or disappears i mean and disappears you know seems to mean lose your life in this case because that's happened now more than once so the the end of a political dynasty at least for now has happened um uh, a Kennedy lost uh, an election in Massachusetts. Yeah. Is that really an end or is it just a bump in the road, though? I mean, it's hard to say, I guess, right? I can't imagine yeah. that there won't be other Kennedys who try to run for office. There's a lot of them. Well, I guess it just <laughs> me. I know there are a lot of them. They're a good Catholic family. Yeah. Um, but the I think it, it's it's that they're... they're it's like the, the first time. They're guaranteed a slot, that, are, that they have a... You know that that yeah. that the Kennedy is a foregone conclusion that they're going to win an election in Massachusetts. I think that has come to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was the first time that a Kennedy ran for a Senate uh, seat in Massachusetts and didn't win. Right? Yes. Is yes. That, so, wasn't that the specifics? I mean, I I, I had it in front of me earlier, but, but I don't have so, it in front of me right now. But yeah. So, uh, Senator U.S. Senator Edward Markey of Massachusetts. Uh, defeated U.S. Representative Joe Kennedy III, um, and uh, and it was a hard-fought Democratic primary. And mm-hmm. So they he harnessed the support from progressive leaders to overcome a challenge from a younger rival, who's a member of America's most famous political family. Absolutely, it was the first time a Kennedy has lost a race for Congress in Massachusetts uh, since they've been running. Mm-hmm. So um, he he Markey appealed to voters in the deeply democratic state by positioning himself as aligned with the liberal wing of the party. He teamed up with leading progressives, uh, AOC, um, on the Green New Deal, um, climate change initiative and pointed and, and at one point labeled Kennedy a progressive in name only. That helped Markey overcome the enduring power of the Kennedy name in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So that's a big deal. Yeah, it is. It is. It's also interesting, you know, I mean, Kennedy is uh, 39 and Markey is 74. So, um, uh, you know, they went with somebody who they felt was, um, uh, you know, older and had more experience, right? He was the incumbent and had been in Congress for over four decades. So, um, you know, it's one, It's funny because, you know, you think of them, you know, going behind the, the liberal agenda, but at the same time, they're also going with the tried and true I know it's an uphill battle even for a candidate to unseat a uh, a four decade congressman. Yes, who clearly is still popular. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know if we're reading too much into that or not enough. I mean, it's the first time it's happened, but it it also you know, like you said, he's fighting an uphill battle against an incumbent, so that's a tough thing to do. So, um, so Markey will then face a. Um, uh, general election contest where he is considered obviously a strong favorite <laughs> yeah. against Republican primary winner Kevin O'Connor. Yeah, I was going to say like against a Republican that nobody knows or cares about because in, <laughs> exactly. in exactly. Massachusetts he ain't going to win. <laughs> yeah, I mean nothing against uh, the Republican. What did you say his name was? Kevin O'Connor. Yes. Yeah. Good luck, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, have you seen any of the the? Uh, videos the doctored videos that are out there of joe biden sleeping during an interview <laughs> no <laughs> so somebody took a uh, a picture of or a video of a uh, newswoman doing an interview with harry belafonte and what had happened was there was some uh audio issues 
and Belafonte practices um, meditation. And so, you know, and he's an elderly gentleman as well. Um, and so they, they told him, you know, that the segment that he was going to be on got pushed back to later in the show. So he had to wait. So he's okay. Well, I'll just sit here and meditate for a minute. Well, then there was an audio failure. So that the little earpiece that he had in wasn't feeding him any audio. So he just sat there meditating and he had his eyes closed and he's sitting there relaxed and, you know, he's sitting upright. Um, and then they cut to him and the woman's talking to him and he's like not reacting. Right. And so she goes, hello, are you, are you awake? Hello, Mr. Belafonte. Hello. You know, and of course he doesn't hear her at all. So and it's not like he was sleeping, but he was sitting there meditating and couldn't hear her. Um, Otherwise, he would have opened his eyes and said, yes, hi, how's it going? But he didn't. So anyway, they took that and they interspersed it with a, a, uh, a clip of uh, Joe Biden where he was like looking down. And so his eyes looked like they were closed or maybe he had blinked. I don't know. But anyway, and then they and then they put like a snoring sound in the background over that. And so they have her cutting to him and he's and he's like down. He's hello. Are you there? Hello. And that has gone viral, and it's it's it is hilarious. But but some people are actually posting it as if it actually happened, and it was so clearly edited and put together. Um, you know, it was fake video, but but you know, somebody had a lot of fun. Probably weren't going to vote for Biden anyways. Oh yeah, the people who who yeah, if you believe it, yeah, you you were inclined to believe it because you weren't going to vote for Biden anyway. Um, but uh, uh, that's 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 outstanding. That is so funny. There's a Twitter user, um, Damani Amani, uh, who confirmed that he created the video. He said it was desi- done as a joke. I'm an artist with a wild imagination that I put into my parodies. And uh, he created it as a joke. And uh, it, it went viral. And uh, so if you haven't seen it, go uh, go look for video of Joe Biden falling asleep. It's It's been tweeted and retweeted all over the place. Um, and it's... Uh, yeah. And it's actually, I mean, if you look the way it's done, it's done pretty well. He edited it. He did a good job of editing it. So it's, you know, although I thought that the, um, the snoring sound was a little bit like, like they cut away from him and back to her, like they had realized that he was, you know, not awake. And so, um, uh, she says something to that effect. And then they throw one more snore in there, like after they've already cut away from him. So, and you know that if the news guys had done that, they wouldn't have done that. Right. They would have cut away from the video and the sound together. So there's a one little giveaway that, Hey, wait a minute. That's not, that's not right. But, uh, yeah, it certainly plays into, um, Trump's, uh, you know, sleepy Joe, right. I, I just think it's hysterical. <laughs> yeah, literally, Sleepy Joe. Yeah, if you can't have a little fun with your politicians, then then you know, honestly, oh, if if not for crying out loud, if if Biden uh, really wanted to make hay about this, what he should do is uh, he should he should put out his own like like f- fake parody of it, or he should make fun of it, or embrace it, you know, as it being a joke of, of being a parody, and and uh, and that would be funny. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm an old guy. I take naps. You know, I mean, he should just embrace it. That's who he, he is. You know, he's an old guy. And and whether he takes naps or not, I don't know. But I mean, you know, I mean, yes. I'm not nearly his age and I take naps when I can, um, you know, <laughs> and I'm proud of it. You know, I'm proud of it. So, um, yeah, 
Yeah. Here's to a little bit of laughter in the world, right? Oh, my God, yes. Make us By all feel way, better. Speaking of things that are ridiculous, although this one's true, have you heard about the new um, Samsung uh, phone? It is $2,000. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For a phone. Yeah, you're talking about the foldable one or the... Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they the have a Galaxy couple foldable ones. Z Fold 2. Yeah. Yeah. $2,000 phone. The um, Microsoft has introduced a, a phone that also folds. Theirs, I think, is about $1,600. Um, theirs, instead of having a foldable screen, has two separate screens, and it opens like a book, and they minimize the space in between. Uh, so it'd be like yeah. having two monitors on your desk, right? It's it's, And you can flip I, it around backwards so that it's screens on both sides if you want. So I, I, don't, I don't understand. I, I can't imagine that the, the foldable phone will wear very well. And I don't understand the desire to have a foldable phone, except maybe it'll fit smaller in your pocket. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's probably pretty thick, though. Um, yeah. But, uh, it's, yeah, uh, I mean, it's essentially double thickness, right? Because exactly. it has to be. Um, well, I think the idea was that you would use, like, half of it as a phone, and then you could open it up, and it's also a tablet, a small tablet. But we sort of got that with ginormous phones. So, so this is sort of taking that gin- gin- ginormous phone and folding it in half so that yeah. it's not so big. Um, yeah, I don't, I, it doesn't have any appeal to me. Um, but I'm not a, you know, I mean, I've, I've used and, and, and was fine with working with Android stuff. I'm not an Android person. Generally, I prefer the iPhone, um, you know, and not an option there. So it doesn't matter to me. Um, so I certainly am not going to change phones just to get a foldable phone. I would think that there maybe is like a niche, uh, market, you know, where somebody needs a little bit bigger screen for certain things that that might work for, but, for the most part, aren't screens already big enough to do everything you want to do? I mean, yeah. holy moly, some of these phones. You know, it's it's comical if you take pictures of, you know, show a picture of somebody using a phone, you know, an average size smartphone today, uh, not to even mention like the plus size versions, and compare that to the phones we were using, you know, just 10 years ago. Um, it's, it's crazy. It, it is really crazy. is. You know? So apparently Microsoft is also releasing a foldable phone, the Surface Duo. Um, right. On September 18th, the same day the Galaxy is going to be released. Mm-hmm. And um, the AP notes that, the, that Samsung re- recognizes that the price tag makes the new phone definitely a luxury device. In- it you includes think? a VIP package that CNBC reports will include perks like a prepared meal from a Michelin star restaurant. <laughs> that sounds to me like fake news. Seriously, they're going to give you like a meal... Somewhere. Yeah. Uh, how about you just lower the price of my phone? Yeah. It's like, yeah, keep your meal. Um, give me a discount on the ridiculous phone. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, yeah. Uh, Microsoft actually, actually announced the phone a year ago. They announced a phone and then a slightly larger device that also folds in half that um, is going to be sort of like a tablet uh, that instead of having a keyboard, you can use like a tablet and open it up. It's dual screen. So you can open it up all the way like a tablet or you can fold it halfway and then it'll have a keyboard on the bottom glass on the bottom half. Oh, um, so interesting. Yeah. So it's like, imagine you could like bend your, your iPad in half and, and, uh, so you're still typing on glass. Um, but you know, it, it has sort of a notebook form factor as well. Um, and, I'm not certain on this detail, but they may have decided to 
postpone production of the of the larger device. Um, but uh, you know, when you announce something a year in advance, you kind of get a gauge as to whether people actually want something like that. I I think. You know, there's a real hesitation amongst um, uh, the computer companies to to be the the one who says, "Hey, let's just type on glass," right? I mean, Microsoft, or sorry, uh, Apple got like heavily criticized from having in their last round of keyboards that didn't have very much motion, and people were saying, "Well, it's you know, almost like typing on a flat surface," and nobody liked it. Um, but I think that that's sort of missing like a whole generation of kids who type on glass all the time and have no issues with it at all, you know? And if you wait, I think maybe they're ahead of their time, I guess is what I'm saying. I think if you yeah. wait a few more years when those people are the ones buying their devices as opposed to having mom and dad buy it for them, you know, uh, then they're very, very willing to type on glass and don't really care about a keyboard. So they're not used to typing by touch in our generation and older. Is, yeah, very much so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think if you you know if you work in a job like in an office where you type a lot, or a uh, you know if you're a writer by trade or something, then having a better keyboard is a bigger deal for you. You know, um, but uh, I mean, let's face it: if you ever watched a teenager type with their thumbs on a on a phone, it's true. You know, they type really fast. <laughs> yeah, they type as many words per minute with their thumbs on a phone as a lot of people can type on a good keyboard. It's it's astounding. You know, and I sit here on a on a fairly decent keyboard at my desktop computer, trying to send texts back and forth, and constantly frustrate the heck out of myself because I can't type it right, or I type the wrong thing, or I sort of type it right and then autocorrect changes it to something I didn't intend, which drives me batty. You know. Yeah. Well, and that so uh, the Android phone because I used to have a Galaxy for work, mm-hmm. um, a Galaxy. I don't remember what it was. One of I think it was a three or a four. Mm-hmm. And because um, it was a number of years ago, um, uh, the 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 predictive cur- the predictive text in a galaxy it drove me insane. Yeah. Because I could never get to the word that I was trying to type. I right. hated. it. And every text. time you try to type it, it replaces it. And it's like, dang it! I know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've had and that same experience. It just replaces it. Yeah, I have had that same experience. It's infuriating. You know, I don't know if you remember. It was um, last year maybe 14 months ago-ish, I spent an entire month using a, uh, a Google 3A, a Pixel 3A phone. Um, I, sat, I, I sat my iPhone aside. I sat my Apple Watch aside. I used a Samsung watch and the Google Pixel 3A for a month just to say, okay, what's it like on the other side? And at the end of the month, my assessment was that pretty much everything that I did and, and wanted to do, uh, with the exception of one small note-taking app that I really liked, uh, was available on Android and it worked fine. But my final takeaway was the keyboard on Android is awful. And I know you can load different keyboards, and I tried a couple of them, and they're awful. They're, they're trying to type on it, and like you said, the predictive um, nature of it, the 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 guy who created the keyboard for the iPhone was a crazy genius um, because that makes it work and Android didn't get that right and they still don't have it right in my opinion um, you know and again to each their own right you learn to deal with whatever you have and I learned to deal with it but it was like you know it was like going into a restaurant and having softened butter to put on your bread versus having uh, rock hard pieces of butter that tear up the bread. You know, exactly. it's just an irritation. 
And it's like, why am I dealing with this irritation? This butter should be soft. Well, especially for a tool not to work right. I mean, honestly, you have a phone so you can work on it or play on it. But mm-hmm. if, if it's not, if it's, if it makes that more difficult, then why have the phone? Right. Why am I fighting the device? The device should be helping me. It should be making exactly. my life better. It should not be a source of irritation for me. And that was the sense that I got with that after using it for a month. I will say that at the end of the month, I was better at it than I was when I started. It took a while to get used to it. But even at the end of a month, it was an irritation to me because I didn't feel like it worked as well. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it was really frustrating. But, but you know, I just made the decision that I was going to try it for a full month because I didn't feel like I could get the full Android experience. And I wanted to use pure Android, so I went and got a Google Pixel because it's directly from Google, and it was pure Android. I wasn't using an interface that was overlaid over it by Samsung or LG or somebody else. I wanted to use Android in its native state. Um, and uh, and it was a great phone. I mean, really well-built phone. Um, uh, they have good everything, cameras. Everything functioned. Yeah, great camera. Um, the uh, They do do their... their Photo processing is offline through Google servers, so if you don't have attachment to the inter- internet, your your cameras don't work as well. Uh, but the but as soon as you connect, then your photos get processed and cleaned up, and they look better. Um, so that was the one knock. If you're out in the sticks somewhere uh, where you don't have internet service, then you're going to have some functionality issues because Google is basically built around the internet, so they they build their devices that same way. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, it was it was a, a pretty positive experience. But that one thorn in my side, that little you know bit of sand in my shoe that just irritated me constantly, was the keyboard and and trying to input stuff on that phone. Um, you know, yay for them making it something you can switch switch out. You know, but but I I, tr- I went online and said, well, what's the best keyboard? What's the most popular keyboard? And meh, <laughs> meh. Needless to say, here here we are uh, a year plus later, and I'm back on my iPhone. In fact, upgraded to a new iPhone since then, and I'm happy to have done it. Yeah, I love my iPhone. I like the, I love my Macs. I love my iPhone. Mm-hmm. I like Apple products. They're more expensive, yeah. but um, uh, they are, but not substantially so anymore for the phone anyway. Right. Um, and so I just I I just get get what I like, and I like the Apple environment. I do too. You know, something I do a lot and I realize not everybody does, but I really appreciate is the continuity functions within the Apple environment. So like I will be doing something on my computer and I will copy a link or something. And then I go to my phone and I hit paste and it pastes in the link that I copied on my computer. And I don't have to do anything to make that happen. There's no, you know, special voodoo that I have to remember or do. It just happens. And that so, is so cool. I had no idea. Yeah. And so, you know, as long as you're logged into the same iCloud account on both devices, it automatically happens. And so I copy on one device and paste on another. So if you want to move data between one device and another, it is so easy. Oh, my goodness. I am totally going to be doing that. I had yeah. no idea. I do it all the time. I do it all the time. And, and, and the other way around, too, if I find something on my phone... Um, I just copy it and paste it and then go to my, my desktop or my laptop and, and, or, and, and or I say copy and paste, I copy it and then I go to my laptop and paste it. And it's just, yeah, it's just almost mind numbingly easy. And you're like, why hasn't this been like this forever? Um, and they introduced continuity, I think one system version ago. So it's been around for almost two years now. And, uh, yeah, that's just, you know, and it's one of those little, just the one little niceties of like, oh yeah, this is why it's better. 
So I'm going to tease this for tomorrow. We can talk about this tomorrow because we're out of time. But um, the Dancing with the Stars uh, uh, celebrities have been announced. Carol Baskin is going to be on Dancing with the Stars. Carol Baskin from uh, uh, Big Big Cat Rescue. Uh. And so... And you're like, who the heck is Carol Baskin? Well, yeah, it's funny. Out of context, I was like thinking, now, wait a minute, I know that name. Where is she from? What is it? Yeah, once you <laughs> once you put it in context, it's like, oh yeah, good for her. I, I, I never watched that show at all, but uh, now I'm I'm I am like I I want to watch it. I want to see Carol Baskin dance. Yeah. Well, you know the the funny the one thing about that show too that um that I've seen is that almost everybody who's been on it comes off of it saying the best workout I ever had in my entire life because they basically during the filming of the show which is I guess takes place over the course of a month or so um, you're basically practicing and uh, throughout the day every day you're practicing dancing you basically have to set aside almost a month to do it and uh, and so you know that limits who's available right because if you've got other things to do in your life it's tough to do but you're dancing and that is hard work i mean you're out there sweating and and trying to learn these different routines and and so you're not only you know exercising and moving but you're you know memorizing physical movements and timing with the music and and so there's a lot to it dancing and movement is is a big deal and uh what a great exercise and it makes you want to do it right yeah, yeah. No, I remember I've read a couple of different articles over the past, in the past where people uh, who have been on the show said, yeah, I lost like 20 pounds. You know, I was awesome. never, there's some of the best shape of my life is when I was on that show. Just because, you know, that's what it takes to just be there. You know, not even if you're necessarily good, because some of them clearly aren't. Some of them, some of them clearly aren't. <laughs> yeah, I've watched the show a couple times, and yeah, some of them are are as bad as I am, which is, which is reassuring. You know, you hate it when you see those people from Hollywood and they're so talented at everything, you know, it's like, Hey, great. You're a wonderful actor. You're a terrific singer and you have two left feet. You're human. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, we are at the end of our, our podcast for today. I'm Aaron Brinker. And I'm Todd Brinker. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.